Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. This is Richard. Adam and I both recently returned from vacations. As I started preparing for mine, I realized I was depending significantly on smart home technology to keep my home safe and, more importantly, give me peace of mind while away. And during our time away, Apple had another event where they announced the long-rumored HomePod Mini. So, with us both back home now, we sat down to discuss Apple's latest smart speaker and compare notes about how we each prepared and monitored our homes while away. It was way more entailed than I might have imagined. We hope you enjoy this slightly delayed episode of The Smart Home Show. Hey everyone, I'm Adam Justice from ConnectSense. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. I'm joined as usual by my co-host Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. Today we're going to talk about the new HomePod Mini and the potential for that device in the smart home, as well as how Richard and I recently prepared our smart homes for vacation. But before we start the show, uh, Richard has a question for me. Hey Adam, yeah, so you and I were both on vacation, but around that same time, there was... Yet another Apple event that occurred. And so I'm curious, anything exciting at that event that you have to have? You know me, Apple nerd. Uh, it's, it's hard for one of these events to go by to not be something to be excited about. And actually, the last one, I didn't buy anything. The, the Apple Watch event, Apple Watches and iPads, I didn't buy anything. That was an exception mm. to the rule. Uh, this one is definitely going to cost me some money. Uh, first of all, being on vacation for an Apple event was glorious. Because <laughs> I'm usually pretty distracted on those days anyways. So uh, to it just so happened that I was going to be on vacation that week. I did not take vacation for the Apple event. But uh, since that happened... Um, my wife took the kids out and it, you know, I kind of had our vacation house to my, myself and I just put the live stream on the, the TV and just, you know, was on Twitter and, uh, and then just kept reading stuff throughout the day. Uh, as far as what I'm excited about, HomePod Mini, which we're going to talk about more later. And, uh, I never thought I was going to say this again. Uh, but I think I'm going to go big, big phone again. I'm excited about that Pro Max uh, and all the new camera stuff and all that. So I, I had an XS Max and I didn't love the size and mm -hmm. I usually like to go no case and I put a case on it because I kept fumbling it and dropping it and uh, I think I'm going to go back. So I may regret it. I may come back and tell you how terrible it is and... <laughs> I had to take it back, but, uh, I'm at least going to try it for that, for that new, bigger, better camera. And, uh, we'll see from there. So, but that also meant I have to be patient. Uh, I have to wait until November to order that. So right. this last week, my wife just got her new, um, iPhone 12 pro and I'm like, ah, can I play with that? And things like that. So, uh, yeah, so I have to be patient, but, uh, time's so weird right now. I feel like, between that and the election and other things, that time will fly by and uh, it'll be it'll be here before we know it. So yeah, I'm gonna wait, but I'm gonna order that new new big phone. Huh? It's funny. I largely got by the first event unscathed. I did end up ordering a band for my watch, but this event was more difficult because. Certainly, the HomePod Mini is interesting. As you said, we're going to talk more about that. And then I am most excited about the smaller phone. Finally, a phone that is kind of back 
to the size that I'm comfortable with. And so I am also planning on getting the new iPhone 12, but I'll be getting the iPhone 12 mini and similarly have to wait until November to order it. Yeah. I actually think, you know, those are kind of the two, two extremes. And uh, I'm a listener to a podcast called Cortex, where they talked about this on their last show. And I do see where there are people that are like, you know, uh, almost looking at those two polar opposites. Like either I want to go minimalist and get the small phone, which has some, you know, you're giving up some things if you're on a pro today, um, but you're gaining some things of, you know, smaller size and things like that. Or, you know, all in both feet, uh, lots of money and, and go the big boy. So yeah, I th- I do think that's a, that mini phone looks great. Uh, really appealing and uh, so I'll be interested to hear what you think of that. Yeah. We can start a, a new section where we talk about iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are enough podcasts that do that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to submit a question for us to open the show, uh, send us a question with the hashtag Ask Adam and Richard. All right. So for our first segment, we're going to talk about what was the first segment in that Apple event, which was all about the HomePod Mini. Some quick basics. This is, uh, you know, a, a new smaller HomePod. So if you if you've dealt with the uh, the HomePod before, it's you know all the things you loved about that, but smaller. Um, nobody's had hands on, so we're just going off of what they uh, what they've said so far. Um, but it's really focused on sound. Uh, I thought it was funny. I rewatched this this morning. Um, Apple still likes to pretend that power cords don't exist. Oh, I know. Oh, geez. It was, I swear it wasn't until like five minutes into the discussion about the HomePod mini that we actually saw a power cord. I know. Very interesting angles and all that and, and things like that. It was really funny. And it, it drew me back to the original HomePod was announced at a WWDC which I was present at and they had a display room for us to see these and they had very cautious uh, holes cut in the table such that you couldn't even see the power cord in, in those units either. So <laughs> it's it, very funny. So they're, they're allergic to power cords and um, you know, maybe someday they'll come up with another way to, uh, to get rid of them uh, for the home pod. But for now, they'll just have to pretend with creative uh, camera angles. <laughs> well, and you know, while we're talking about camera angles, let's talk a little bit about how they presented this, because honestly, I feel like you buried the lead here. We find out about this new product as it's demonstrated in this virtual home set, multi-level, multi-room, like broken fourth wall home that you don't even realize you're in until they kind of pull back from it and and you realize that he's been talking to you from this set. It is so freaking cool. Uh, it was so well done. So well done. And uh, we'll talk about it more, but I feel like maybe they built this set for more than just this HomePod mini thing. Oh, I'm sure they did. I, I suspect this is a testing facility as well. Ah, yeah. I think maybe they're, we're going to see this set again because, uh, I think there may be some other things coming that would be best demonstrated in a small home. But yeah, I agree. Super cool. Very well done. A great way to tell this story and to talk about home and home automation and things like that. So that was really cool. The price, $99. I actually called it on Twitter ahead of this. I, I thought for sure. You know, Apple always seems to um, to screw up price. So I thought for sure, I knew ninety nine <laughs> was the right price, but I thought for sure they were going to go one fifty. So I'm glad that this is ninety nine dollars. I mean, fifty dollars would be even better than ninety nine. But uh, I mean, it's Apple, so this is really the lowest I thought that they would possibly go. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen seventy nine, but I I can live with ninety nine. It would have been a non starter at. 149. That, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so they were still touting better audio quality. 
Um, they uh, they hit the trend that probably two two companies hit without even knowing each other were doing it. Uh, new round size, so uh, we we have uh, audio speaker balls from Amazon and from Apple now. Yep. What do you think about this form factor? I'm fine with it. I don't know really what I expected it to look like. I, I suppose maybe a form factor that was somewhat like the same shape, but somewhat smaller than the home pod. But when you see the, what they're doing inside of it, it makes sense the way they built it. So I'm perfectly happy with it. It isn't offensive to me in any way, and it will probably look just fine next to my new echo dot that I'll also be receiving shortly. Yes. Very matchy. Um, so just like other home home pods, uh, this will also act as a home hub. And the other thing they announced is they're adding more default serv- music services. This was actually announced at WWDC. Um, they just showed off some of the apps that are going to be coming to um, HomePod to be default music providers. I think Amazon, Pandora, and a few others were named there. But there was one that was missing that a lot of people <laughs> caught which was spotify the one they're having a pissing match with right now that one <laughs> yeah exactly and i actually think spotify probably is coming um yeah. but they were probably like like hell we're going to give you free advertising when you're being a jerk to us <laughs> exactly exactly this actually came later in the presentation but i think one of the key features that was not only for all home pods um, but all the way across iOS was this new feature called Intercom. Um, it's very similar to what Amazon rolled out a little while back. But, you know, basic way to be able to broadcast out to every device in the home. So I think given that this is $99, they're trying to tell the story here where, hey, you can have a bunch of these now, uh, now that they're not $250 a piece or more. <laughs> and... uh I haven't actually been able to test this feature yet. It was rolled out with iOS 14.1. And uh, the only thing I can think of is maybe everyone that's in your HomeKit home has to be on iOS 14.1. Because I am, my HomePod is, I don't know. So I'm still working on being able to test this. But I like the idea of this feature. We use this on Amazon all the time. Maybe almost too much sometimes. We're like having a back and forth conversation and we're like, just come downstairs. Right. Or or use drop in or something. We do that too. We do that, you know, announce this, announce this, announce this, announce that. It's like, you know, it's there is an easier way to do this. Yes. <laughs> One of the cool things I really liked here too was that these intercom messages also play on anyone who has AirPods in at the moment. Um, mm. I thought this is a really cool feature. I use uh, a feature on the AirPods where if you get a text message, it'll automatically read them. So I think this makes a ton of sense. Eventually, when my kids get into AirPods, and you know, even if you made an announcement, they wouldn't hear it, this would be key. So um, the one thing I did notice that it doesn't do is it doesn't do text-to-speech. Amazon recently rolled this out, where if you make an announcement, you get text-to-speech on any devices that have the Echo app on them. I'm assuming you mean the other way around, speech to text? Speech to text, yes. Yes. So um, anything you announce, it then will uh, will give you a text version of at least what it thinks it is, which most of the time it's good enough. So maybe this is something that will come in time. Yeah. I, I mean, even without it, it's still really powerful, particularly since you do potentially... As I understand it, you know, you you have the ability to receive this on any iOS device, right? Yep. Watch, uh, phone, iPad, yeah. uh, CarPlay even. Um, it was integrated with, so you could do it from, from your car while driving. Well, and that's really cool too, right? You could have it potentially to the car or from the car in theory. Yeah. So I like this. I, I think um, for anybody like our family that's all in on iOS devices, um, just makes a ton of sense. And uh, so I'm definitely interested to test this further and we'll keep everybody updated on what I think. Very cool. So the other big deal in the HomePod Mini is that it is using a U1 chip and they 
barely touched on this. So it has that ultra wideband chip that Richard and I were so excited about when it came to the iPhone 11, and uh, they've done nothing with it for an entire year. Um, <coughs> tags. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they, they referred to this as, uh, with high precision, the HomePod mini can understand when your iPhone is nearby. Now, the only context they talked about this with is for handoff, which is the process where, um, you want to take audio that's playing on your iPhone and move it over to a HomePod. Um, today, I believe this uses NFC um, with your iPhone to move that audio. It works okay. It's not perfect. So they're going to improve that process using the U1 chip. But I think that's not what excites us about this. What's more exciting about this is if they can use that high precision to know if you're within a room or right. within proximity of one of these devices and then start to use that for proximity detection. Right. And if you have multiples, then we get into that area where, you know, we had envisioned long ago with the idea of Bluetooth beacons, where these things could potentially act as beacons around your home. Right. And I think if they can do that, um, that's going to make this product way more exciting. You know, you could do automations on when I enter this room uh, or when I'm within this distance of the HomePod mini, then, you know, turn on the lights. When I leave this proximity, turn off the lights. And there's a U1 in the new Apple Watch, too, which actually I feel like could be very exciting because maybe you're not somebody that keeps your phone on you all the time. I know, Richard, you're kind of that way. Um, if you're wearing an Apple Watch then and moving throughout your home, you could use that to track yourself. Right. So sort of like you said, they seem to be waiting to tell this whole story about um, the U1 chip and things like that. They did say the, the, the handoff feature was going to come later this year. And so it feels like maybe there's still an event to come and maybe AirTags still to come. And that's when we're going to hear the rest of this story. There's lots of rumors that Apple Silicon Macs are still to be announced in November. AirTags could, I think, could be a, a slam dunk to happen then as well. So there, at one point, one of the major, you know, leakers said AirTags were a no-go for this year. And then uh, right before the iPhone event, they said they're back on, but we didn't hear about them. So I still think we might see that that highly rumored device later this year. And I think that would help tell that full U1 story at that point. Potentially. I'm still not betting on tags in the near future, but I absolutely expect that we'll, if we get the Apple Silicon Max this year, as they originally planned, that's not something that they're just going to announce by updating the website. There's going to be an event for that. So there's always a possibility that we could get more stuff with that, that we might actually see one more thing at that event. Yeah. Not mentioned in the keynote, but as everybody started to look at those product pages and uh, read the tech specs, uh, something jumped out to our kind of smart home community. <laughs> this thing has a thread radio in it. Yep. This is an ongoing theme with a whole lot of devices that are starting to come out just about now. Yeah. So pretty interesting. Um, one of the things in the very fine print states not compatible with non HomeKit thread devices. Well, I've never, I've never, never seen a HomeKit compatible thread device. <laughs> Right. And, and arguably that may simply be in there for now. Right. Yeah. I mean, because they can't guarantee compatibility with anything else at this point, but that very well could change at some point. Who knows? Right. So this likely has something to do with, uh, the connected home over IP standard and everything going on there. So it feels like they're planning for the future what can be possible with chip and um, what the needs are there. Um, so I'm really happy to see that this is in there and that, you know, maybe it'll get used in the future. 
So as far as this device goes, Richard, are you excited about it and uh, planning on buying one or more? Yeah, I would get one in my office, and that's largely so that I can try it and find out how well it works. I mean, if it's anywhere near as good as the HomePod itself at hearing and recognizing, it's already far beyond anything that a Google device or an Amazon device has been able to do in my home. So, and frankly, better than any other iOS or Siri-enabled device I have. So I'll be looking forward to trying that out and see how it goes. If it's particularly good and I find that there's a way of maybe, I don't know, controlling the television or other experiences for entertainment purposes in the house, then I may end up putting one in the family room as well, because that would be a logical extension. And I'm always like trying, like struggling around trying to find, okay, where's the Apple remote? Cause I just don't use it. I have a harmony. And if I want to, use Siri for something on the Apple TV, I have to go find that. It'd be nice. And I don't know if it's possible or not, but it'd be nice if I could actually use Siri on a HomePod to try and control the Apple TV experience. The, uh, the, the other thing though, is that at this point I have so many different speakers in my home and I'm already well invested in Amazon. And unless someone comes out with something that is equally capable it might be a far superior product in terms of recognition and in terms of the sound quality. But if it's not as capable as those products that I use now, then it's not going to work for me. You know, if it doesn't control, for example, the spigot that I installed, the faucet that I installed installed in the kitchen or the microwave or half a dozen other things that I control by voice that would not work with this device because they're either not HomeKit compatible or not something that can be controlled with Siri. So that's just kind of a, a non-starter at, at this point in terms of getting more around my home. But yeah, as soon as it's out, which is really the available for pre-order the same day that the iPhone 12 mini and the iPhone 12 Pro Max or whatever it's called, all go on sale, I will be ordering one of those two. How about you? Yeah, first priority will be to order the phone, and then I'll double back in the Apple Store and, and get, I think, probably two of these. Um, at the $99 price, I want to experiment a little bit with two. Um, I've never played around with the stereo pair thing. I think that uh, could be cool. Oh, yeah. I want to experiment with having two of them within somewhat proximity of each other. Like, uh, we have a pretty open floor plan, so like kitchen and family room. Um just to see which one picks up and some things like that. You kind of hit on what I was going to say too. I agree. Um, to me, the HomePod I own is the best at picking up commands. Um, you know, one of the quickest to act. Um, but I still have a problem that Siri is not the best assistant on the market. Um, I would probably say Google is. I agree. Amazon's probably the most accessible. And they say uh, Siri's getting faster, more intelligent. Um, but I'm not seeing it, but I also don't feel like I use it as much either. Um, so maybe this would force me to do it. Uh, I did run the math though. If I wanted to replace all my echoes, I would need six of these. That's easy math. That's $600. $600. Um, I do have some Apple cash from my Apple card though. So yeah, you know, we could see, I, I think for me, it's totally going to hinge on, um, what's possible with that ultra wideband radio. If there's some exciting things, um, that come with knowing when, uh, somebody's in a particular room, that's going to entice me to try and do more. Um, I've been frustrated with Amazon lately and having various issues. Um, you know, you can't touch, you know, two of those devices are flexes that are $15. Um, so it'd be hard to, re- right. hard to replace that. Um, with a $99 device, but I think this is interesting and I'll be excited to test it. And, uh, certainly we can talk about it some more once it comes out. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it too. And uh, it will pretty much 
mean that I believe by the end of no, yeah, by by November, by sometime in November, I will pretty much have all of the assistance because I have also ordered a new Samsung frame TV mm. to put on my office wall. Nice. So I will have the opportunity to potentially try Samsung's ubiquitous assistant as well. Okay. I say somewhat sarcastically. Interesting. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break in the event that we have some sponsors here, and then we're going to return with some more smart home discussion. Adam, you and I just got back from vacation, and I don't know what your home normally looks like in non-COVID times, but I work from home, and I have pets. So it is very, very rare that our home is ever left actually empty for any period of time beside, say, a few hours. So I don't really think a whole lot about, okay, well, how do we arm the system for an extended leave? Or how are we going to set back the thermostats while we're away? All of these things, like, you know, I'm not going to freeze out my dogs if we happen to go out shopping or something. And I've never been able to take advantage of home away sensing again because of dogs. So this whole idea of trying to prep my home to go away was completely new to me. How about you? New ish. Uh, like you, my wife normally works from home in non COVID times. So it is also rare that our home is totally vacant. But given COVID, some stuff that we used to do, so we actually have two separate HVAC zones. So like normally we would run the upstairs mostly off. Um, but because my new temporary office is up there, you know, during COVID, we got to run both, both systems all the time. Right. So aside from that, some of this I had done before in previous vacations, but we definitely, um, I definitely looked at it before we left to, to do some more. Well, it's interesting because it really made me think about the home differently than I normally would. We've talked in the past about how I don't like the idea of cameras inside the house, except in very specific use cases. I have a camera in my basement and I have a camera in the garage, and I don't really think of those as living spaces. So it doesn't bother me that there are cameras there. But besides the cameras around the perimeter of my home... I've never had anything in the interior and in going away, I wanted to have cameras, I, I think for more ease of mind than anything else, not as an alarm system because I have an alarm system that I did engage while I was away, but more so that if anything was going on, that I might have a way of investigating that I might be able to check out, okay, well, what's going on at the house? Right. That peace of mind, if you dial in, look at the camera to know, yep, everything's okay. Right. Yep. Okay, good. Hallway's still there. So <laughs> I ended up getting two new stick-up cams, and I initially bought these on sale, I believe, on something through Amazon. And when they arrived, I learned that the sale that I had partaken in was, and this is pre-Prime Day, because Prime Day occurred when I was away, but the sale was for the white units only. And that's not at all what I wanted, because I wanted these things to kind of just blend in to other stuff and furniture and things like that. And my furniture is all dark, and so I wanted the black ones. So I ended up returning them and then ordering them from my local Best Buy and just picking them up there. I also ordered a Blink Mini. I have other Blink cameras. 
So I ordered the Blink Mini, and for whatever reason, I don't know what was going on in my head, but it didn't occur to me that the Blink Mini was not a battery-operated camera and actually needed power full-time to it. So I needed to rethink how I was doing that. And actually, that's what spawned getting the stick-up cams, because I'm like, oh, okay, I can't use the Blink Minis the way I thought I was going to be able to do that. But once I get them all set up, they were really easy to enable and disable. And more importantly, what something that I didn't realize that I really like is that in Rings, not really new, but in there, uh, I guess over the last six months or so, they added the ability to have a kind of arm or disarm your Ring cameras the same way that you might an alarm system. And when you select that you're home or away or in the disarmed mode in each of those, you get to decide what the, like whether a camera can be active or not. So I can actually prevent any of the cameras from even recording or capturing anything during the disarmed or home stage, which I really like. Nice. So those cameras are still up now that you're home. They're just disarmed. Right. Exactly. That's convenient. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm happy about that. I, I like that a lot. Now, as far as general lighting to make the house look like someone's home, we already have so many scenes that are set up with time sequences and schedules that I didn't really have to do much there. The house already looks lived in all the time. So I wasn't too concerned about that. If anything, I needed to ramp it down a little bit. Like there were some certain scenes that would come on that were more, I would say, ornamental, like light strips coming on and things like that, that just wouldn't be necessary and would be wasteful. So I ended up disabling some of my scenes, but otherwise the the general lighting and stuff like that was kind of already taken care of. <laughs> I had one weird case where I have some lights that I've automated recently and I have a problem that I haven't solved yet. And I, I know this is a known problem, but I have some in wall controllers for some lights that like to turn themselves on periodically. And I didn't want to end up in the situation where these lights would just come on and then not turn off in the location where I had installed them. So I actually ended up tripping a breaker before I left to just like make sure that they weren't even going to be getting power the whole time that we were away. So clearly that's a problem I need to solve because I don't want to have to be tripping breakers every time we leave. Until you have remotely trippable breakers, but that's a whole nother upgrade. That is a whole nother upgrade. Yes. Yes. That's also not an easy thing to back out of because for obvious reasons, most breakers that you can trip remotely, you can't reset remotely. Very true. Now I have, like I said, an alarm system and I have a door uh, code for getting in the one lock, uh, the one lock door. We use that for our, uh, we used to use that for our cleaning people and our dog walker and stuff like that. And it, you know, we realized, okay, we have a couple friends who have keys to the house. It probably makes sense to make sure that they have those codes too. Again, because we never really ever leave the house alone for any extended period of time. So I had to make sure that people who might need access to check in on anything did have that. I even gave a garage clicker to one of my neighbors just to be able to get in and out of the garage and maybe put packages in there or something. And I'll get back to that in uh, just a little bit. And then once all this stuff was set up, then I had to just arm everything. And again, realized that since I'm not really used to having to do that, I've done nothing to make that easy. Nest, for example, has a great system where you go away, where you, you go into away mode, and you can automatically have all your thermostats, say, turn off or go into eco mode or something. And I hadn't set any of that up because there was no need. 
So I ended up having to manually set back all of the thermostats and then reset them when I got back. And the same is true for the different cameras, like the blank cameras and stuff like that. I manually armed all of those. And so I think that I need, if we're, if we're going to be traveling more the way that we did, which was just getting out of town and renting a house somewhere else, I think it probably makes sense to spend a little bit more time to make that arming and disarming process a whole lot easier and maybe something that's more universal. Like I just arm it and disarm it and everything gets taken care of instead of having to do each system, which turned out to be kind of tedious. So, okay, we're away. We do all this stuff, do it all by the phone, which is nice. And now I'm getting notifications when stuff happens. Like my neighbor found a package Put it in the garage. Garage door opens. I get notifications. And it was funny because I could tell when the neighbor was putting a package in because I would get a notification someone was at the front door. Then a notification that someone went by the corner camera. Then a notification that the garage door opened. Then two more notifications that the garage door opened from different systems. Then a notification that the garage door closed. All Then again, the corner. So it was like this sequence of notifications that I was receiving from different devices. And I'm thinking, I, I have to figure out how to prune this because this is just nuts. Yeah. But it's it, it, but it makes you feel better. You know what's going on at, at home too. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Now, part of the problem with all of those notifications, though, is that every once in a while you're going to get some false positives, right? Like I got camera notifications inside. That freaked me out a little bit. No, it was because there was a moth flying by one of the cameras. So I guess I know that I have a moth that I have to deal with somewhere. But other than that, that. That was a, a little bit of a surprise. And then, wouldn't you know it, the one thing, the one thing that foils this whole plan is that while we're away, and at one point, while the neighbor was over checking that everything was okay, apparently the second garage door button on the garage clicker got pressed. Unnoticed. And I receive a notification from my queue, from my Chamberlain my queue, that the second garage door has been open for an extended period of time. I'm like, well, what's that about? So I check my blink camera that is in the garage. This is why you put a camera in the garage, so you can see why a door is open. Also, because my queue is not perfect. And that <laughs> I've, and I've that. had that problem happen even recently, like a, where the sensors reporting open and it's closed. So hmm. I don't think I'd run that product without a camera backing up to, to verify. Yeah, that, that's some good advice. So I checked it and I ended up a little bit panicked because the middle door was just wide open. It was the middle of the day. So that wasn't too bad, but like, what is going on? You know, I checked all the cameras, checked all the sensors, nothing else weird, checked the log, and it had been open for about half an hour. So I'm like, okay, well, something's going on. I'll call the neighbor and see if they can at least, you know, maybe they were over there. And it turns out they were over there. And in fact, the camera sensed that they were over there. And the, the, the timing did, in fact, jog up properly. So I'm like, hey, can you go over and, and close the door? So the person who is taking care of the house by occasionally checking on it and who had the clicker was not home. So someone else came over, checked it, didn't have the clicker. Now the only way to close the garage is inside the garage. You can't control it from my queue? Oh, so here's a fun fact. Uh, I have never been able to get the second door to properly pair with the MyQ controller. Hmm. So the sensor works fine, but the controller will not actually let me control it. So it's the only thing that 
I couldn't have like messed up myself, right? Like I, I, some, some routine or, or something might have accidentally triggered it. Nope. It wasn't. It was a manual analog problem that created this. And now it had to be solved in an analog way. I couldn't fix it remotely. So I never went over and he's inside. He's, he just had knee surgery. And he just inside, he's like, well, I may be able to press the button and then see if I can get to the door. I'm like, no, 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 no. So <laughs> I said, open the first door, close the second door, go out the first door. Cause I can close the first door. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. No mission impossible under the laser maneuvers necessary. Yeah. No. It, Cause I usually take a, a, running leap for it. And right, that's the other thing. There's a sensor too, right? So you have to jump the sensor as the door is closing without hitting your head on the door as it's coming down. Yeah, I wasn't going to subject him to that. So, but other than that, things went fairly well. We had a friend come over and borrow our truck. He called in advance and said, Hey, do I have to worry about setting anything off? And I thought about it. I'm like, huh? Um, no, I actually don't have a camera in the garage where the truck is housed. I should probably fix that problem. So <laughs> he did set off all the driveway cameras, but that wasn't a problem. I, I saw him coming in and going out and uh, added a note to my home projects that I need to add a camera in the detached garage. It went pretty well. And having sensors at the door and in the mailbox made it easy for me to notify the neighbor when there was something that needed attention. And that was good because despite holding my mail through the U.S. Postal Service, mail continued to arrive. And, you know, like I said, I got back and all I uh, all I did was then kind of undo everything, at which point I really thought, okay, before we do this next time, I need to pull all this together in a set of routines or in one routine, maybe that can just make it as easy as saying I'm going away and then it will handle all of the setbacks and all the arming and everything else. Yeah. Makes sense. That's good. But you know, it's funny. You just, I, I love that this stuff can help me feel like the house is secure while I'm away. But it didn't occur to me everything that would go into setting that up and and making it work the way I wanted it to. But I think that's a great strategy, too, that, uh, you know, when you're away and, and when you do these things to make some notes of things to improve, you know, things to add. I, I did the same thing and I'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But, yeah, I think that's that's great to, to keep this in mind and remember what uh what to change for next time, and then, you know, only get better over time. So you were also away, and what types of things did you have to do that wouldn't have been part of your normal routine? Yeah, so I think a couple things. We use Arlo Pro cameras. Originally were bought around the time my daughter was born uh, to kind of use as a faux baby monitor. I didn't really want a fancy baby monitor or anything, and those came up at the time and I was like, oh, these are interesting and I like how they're battery powered. Uh, and the nice thing about them, we still use one of them in her room to check on her at night. The cool thing about them being battery powered is you can redeploy them at any time for any camera needs. And so I set those up in other places in the house um, before we went on vacation to be able to, same thing, check in on things um, if mm -hmm. needed. I did check and schedule some light scenes to schedule to come on automatically while we're, we were gone. Same thing as you to make the house look lived in. I do already have a bunch of notifications on all of my entryways in the house and, uh, Homebridge helped me finish the last one on that. Um, one of my back doors, um, wasn't HomeKit enabled and now, um, through ring alarm, now I can get that. Uh, and then we armed our, our ring alarm system and, one of the things that's really nice about this is being able to also disable it. So like we had some cleaning ladies come while we were gone. So I was able to turn it off for them. Once they verify they're gone, turn it back on. I actually give my dad access to our ring account. So when he comes, when we're away, he can actually disable it. We had a little snafu with that where he forgot to disable it. 
and then the alarm went <laughs> yeah. off. Get to yeah. get to deal with that and see how the uh, how the how well the alarm and monitoring service works, but that's okay. My one like improvement for the future is I need another angle or a wider camera on the porch for packages. My ring doorbell just does not capture kind of the full where packages may be. And so you either have to play ring footage detective to see if a, <laughs> if a delivery person came and dropped off a package. Because same kind of thing. When there was a package, I would let my parents know and then dad would swing by on his way home from work or whatever and throw packages in the house. Um, so yeah, maybe at some point I'll add another wireless camera um, at another angle just to be able to have, um, you know, some some other footage to be able to see the the porch um, for any deliveries that come. You know, it's funny. There, there are a couple manufacturers that are now making cameras that aren't wide, but vertical for the door or sometimes square so that you can actually get that fish lens down to the ground as well as to the sides and be able because I don't, I don't think when, you know, when, when they were making ring and these other doorbell type things, they were thinking faces. They weren't necessarily thinking packages. And there's another manufacturer. I wish I could remember the name of the company. It starts with an M. I, I saw them at CES for a couple years now where they have a secondary camera that points right down at the doorstep. And I think that's a pretty clever application as well. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. So, yeah, but all in all, I think it went pretty well. We ran the thermostats on away mode. I think away mode for us actually will automatically kick on, but I just haven't seen it kick on in whatever, six months now, <laughs> since we're always here and people are always walking right. around. So, we at least for that one week, we had a lower heating bill. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have a funny feeling that for us, the financial impact is probably negligible <laughs> because it was just one of those weeks where nothing really would have been on anyway, except fan circulation periodically. True, true. But yeah, it all in all worked out. And uh, like you, uh, looking to do some other travel this year, you know, we just rented an Airbnb with family, but nice to have a change of scenery and um, do something in a year where we can't do the normal kind of travel we would love to do. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's nice that, you know, we talk about a lot of the technology on this show in a way that adds convenience and security and things like that. This is kind of security, but for the most part, for me, this was a peace of mind thing. This is what made me comfortable leaving a home where normally if we were traveling, we'd probably be flying somewhere and we'd have a house and dog sitter that would be living in the house and taking care of the pets and the house. So this was a very unusual situation for us. Yeah, no, and I think it helps for not needing kind of the, as much uh, intervention from other people too. You know, you don't have to, you can tell, you know, the neighbor when to come over and grab the packages rather than them having to constantly be over and, you know, stuff like that. And actually that was sort of one of the things we ran into is like in normal times, I would just ship stuff to my office, but because everything is coming to the house now these days, oh, right. we tried to yeah. limit orders but, you know, some stuff shows up when it shows up. And so, of course, some things showed up while we were gone. So, nice to be able to to figure that out and make sure those packages are safe. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that was good. Good discussion. Adam, we don't have a question this week. How can people send us questions that we might be able to answer for them? Sure. If you have a smart home question, you can send it our way with the hashtag AskSmartHomeShow on Twitter, and we'll pick a question to include in the show. Before we wrap up, I did want to mention we have stickers. So if you want to get a Smart Home Show sticker, um, actually, my company, ConnectSense, paid for these. And so um, would love to have you uh, pick up either a rebooter or a lamp controller or an in-wall outlet that we talked about on the last show. And we'd love to have you write a review of that on Amazon. So um, there's a form to fill out uh, once you've done that. 
and then we will send you a sticker. So um, we'll include that in the show notes and on our website. Um, so if you're interested in having a Smart Home Show sticker, which I even need to send some to Richard, um, I know you want one too, please uh, look for that in our notes and uh, write up a review for one of those products, and we'd love to send you a sticker. You're determined to turn me into a sticker person, aren't you? <laughs> you got to do it. The thing that turned me into a sticker person is that uh, very boring iPad Pro keyboard. There was just nothing on the on the keyboard case, and that turned me into a sticker person. <laughs> and then it made me also be like, I you know, I want stickers for the stuff I do and the stuff I love. So, you know, I wanted a Smart Home Show sticker. So now everybody can have one. All right, good stuff. Where can people find you if they want to hear more about what you're up to now that you're home and not vacationing anymore? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Justice uh, and find everything that my company is doing at ConnectSense.com. How about you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Gunther. Fair warning, this week could be lots of politics. Just letting you know. Can't wait for that to be over. <laughs> not not you, but just politics in general. I, I totally understand. I Yep. Okay. So uh, if you'd rather instead just listen to maybe shows that I do or writing that I've done, you can find that at thedigitalmediazone.com. And of course, the Smart Home Show is part of technology.fm, which is a collection of some great tech podcasts that includes... Home Tech FM, The Food Tech Show, and Home On. Definitely check out The Food Tech Show if you have any interest in Smart Kitchen or Food Tech, because after the recent Smart Kitchen Summit, which occurred just about a week or two ago, they're going to have lots of really good content that they'll be sharing on there. And... We are also available at smarthome.fm. That's where you'll find our show notes, links, and details about each episode. And if you have questions or feedback for us, you can send that to feedback at smarthome.fm. Find the show anywhere that you find podcasts. And if you like it, do us a favor and leave us a rating or a review, or more importantly, tell a friend about the show. Thanks a lot and have a good day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.